0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Hello, hello everyone, good evening, welcome to Dr. Low Radio, I'm your host Dr. Lauren Noel, I've been doing this show for about two and a half years now, can you guys believe it? Thanks for all the listens and the faithful support for the show and all the reviews on iTunes, it just warms my heart to read all of those, I love reading what you guys say and if you have any suggestions please let me know, I have some really exciting news you guys. I am opening up my own clinic. I've been a part of uh, Bloom for the last year and a half on staff, and it's time for me to spread my wings and fly, and I'm opening Shine Natural Medicine. Very, very exciting stuff. I'm so stoked. I just uh, created a Facebook page, a Twitter page today, so you guys can check that out, facebook.com slash shine natural medicine, and twitter.com slash shine natural med, M-E-D, since you can't do the whole thing on Twitter. And so if you're a current patient of mine, a former patient, or if you're going to be a future patient of mine, where you can find details regarding the clinic opening is drlaurennoel.com. So D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N-N-O-E-L.com. We're going to be opening August 12th. That's in two and a half weeks. And until then, I'm doing phone appointments, and I'm also doing house calls. So if you're local, no big deal. We can continue in person. If you're over the phone, awesome. Nothing will change. And so that's the update. So thank you guys for the support. I'm so excited for the growth that the clinic will be achieving for days to come and weeks and years to come. So I am just on cloud nine. I just have been popping up out of bed, just running all day, getting this thing set up, and I'm just so excited. So that's why I sound so excited, because I am Let's see, what else, you guys? So, uh, oh, for callers, if you'd like to call and ask a question during the show, the number is 818-495-6919, 818-495-6919. The topic for tonight is oriental medicine for infertility. And we talked about fertility on the show before, but we've never talked about it from a Chinese medicine perspective. So we have an expert on the show tonight to talk all about that. We have Shelly Cron on the show. She is a recognized and successful oriental medicine provider, prof- professor, and supervisor at PCOM, which is Pacific College of Oriental Medicine, and she has over 25 years of practice experience. She specializes in the treatment of gynecological issues like PMS, painful periods, irregular cycles, also infertility from the male and the female perspective, so both the sexes she works with, she also works with patients on pregnancy complaints. So if you're pregnant and you have headaches and neck pain and back pain and sinus issues and heartburn, she can help you guys out, and also menopausal issues like hot flashes and night sweats and anxiety and depression. Shelly has worked with many well-known fertility specialists in Southern California to provide stress reduction to patients, as well as enhancing their IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, or IVF, so in-, in vitro fertilization, procedure results. She's helped many couples achieve their dreams of having a a family. She's attended several births to help in reducing some of the discomfort of labor. And her focus is on working with patients on dietary lifestyle changes to have the best effect on fertility, pregnancy, and general health. Shelley graduated in 1987 from the San Diego campus of PCOM, Pacific College of Oriental Medicine, and passed her boards in 1988. She's both state and nationally certified or licensed to practice acupuncture. And she currently practices in Old Town, San Diego, as well as UCSD's Women's Health Specialty Services and Perlman's Medical Offices in La Jolla. And you guys can learn more about her at FertileLifestyle.com. That's FertileLifestyle.com. And she's also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FertileLifestyle. Shelly, thank you so much for coming on the show and welcome to Dr. Lowe Radio.
0: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.
1: I know. I'm I'm stoked. And um having memories of us giving our lecture at PCOM a few months back. That was a blast.
0: I know, yeah, I actually really did enjoy that a lot. It was fun just uh, you know, working off of each other and, and uh being able to share a lot of that really good information. So very fun stuff. Yeah,
1: so you guys listening, if you want to check out that lecture that Shelly and I gave, uh it was um her, myself, and also a medical doctor, and the three of us were giving a lecture from various perspectives on fertility as it relates to hypothyroidism, so very interesting um, information we were sharing, and I think it's on YouTube, If you guys Google PCOM and thyroid or my name or something, you'll find it, I, I'm pretty sure you guys can find that, that video, so Shelly, so tell us a little bit about what started your passion for treating infertility, this is obviously a specialty of yours.
0: Yeah, it's not something I thought I would do right out of school. Um as a matter of fact, when I first graduated, infertility wasn't really um, sought after with using uh, Chinese medicine. It was still still fairly new, been getting it with insurance companies, et cetera. So um, it wasn't until several years that I'd been in practice and I started having some couples come in that uh, had some issues with fertility and weren't being able to achieve it and really just wanted some help and wondered if, you know, Chinese medicine would be able to work with that. And um, it, it definitely struck my, you know, passionately, the first time you have someone come in that actually says, oh, I'm pregnant and has been trying for a while and you help them, it really ignited the fire to want to work, you know, with people on a regular basis. And so I love seeing that come in and just put my, you know, PI hat on and, Get to work and try and figure out exactly what's happening. So it's very exciting. It's always you know fun yeah. to help. Yeah, I, families.
1: I've, I've, I've kind of gotten patients pregnant on accident. Like as we, as they get healthier, mm-hmm. their hormones get balanced, and you know their, their gut is now working properly, and their stress levels are lower. It's like we've had a lot of surprise pregnancies that have happened out of that. So I think as you go to get healthier, you obviously become fertile as well. It, they kind of go hand in hand.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and, and it's interesting, you know, you're always, you know, bringing up the stress issue, I think I see more people that are under a great deal of stress coming in, and yes, there's also the stress of trying to get pregnant in the first place, like, you know, every month that goes by that you don't see the, you know, the positive, it um, it causes stress, but I am noticing that there's a kind of a, a regular trend with patients that are undergoing a lot of life stresses that are having more mm-hmm. difficulties. It's kind of a, a major factor to try and have people try and figure out ways they can change their lifestyles a little bit so that they're not creating potentially as much stress in their mm-hmm. lives or should they lessen the load of it if they can. Um, that really does help a lot. Um, you always hear about those cases where people kind of finally stop worrying about getting pregnant or maybe adopt, and then they get pregnant. And I think it's just because mm-hmm. they finally go of the stress level and that's huge. So.
1: Yeah, if they go on vacation and finally get knocked up. Hear about it exactly. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happens. yeah, it's you know that the body if the body is in, in just emergency mode, it's not caring much about having a baby. It's just trying to just keep it all together. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the you know,
0: the back in the old days with the caveman chasing you or not the caveman chasing you, cyber you know, saber toothed <laughs> tiger. And you're just, you know, all your adrenaline is pumping and trying to help you run and move. And so your your stress level has to be up to try and help you get away. But we don't know how to lessen that in our lifestyle now. People are uh, so tuned in to dealing with a certain level of stress that they don't know how to not do that, it seems like. It's like, okay, you don't yeah. have to do something every second of the day. It's okay for you to be still and Relax, and it's like we've kind of forgotten mm-hmm. how to you know watch the clouds and sit there and drink lemonade in a rocking chair, so
1: yeah, like drink, <laughs> turn exactly. the phone off, turn the computer off, go outside, get some nature, right just the basics exactly. it's, it's so basic, but it's just still so powerful,
0: yeah, just ground yourself, so yeah, but yeah, it doesn't a lot
1: that Now, I'm sorry, go ahead. my history of of going into naturopathic medicine is I actually worked at an acupuncture clinic um when I was in my senior year of college, or uh, my fourth year of college, and I was just blown away at this whole new field. I just was like, what is this? It's the coolest thing ever. We had this little pharmacy where they you know, put together customized herbal blends, and, and it was cool because it was actually at an acupuncture college, and they had all different kinds of modalities. They had, like, Japanese acupuncture and Chinese. And there was, like, a guy from Europe that did a whole other, you know, way of doing acupuncture. So it was a very cool perspective. And one thing I love about, about you know, Chinese medicine is that you don't treat the condition. You actually treat patterns. And it's so interesting. It's like if I have a patient that comes in, they say, oh, I, I see this acupuncturist. And my, ac- my acupuncturist that I have, you know, Spleen deficiency, or chi stagnation, or there's you know all these different terms that are thrown around. It's a whole different way of Western medicine. So can you kind of go into how you you know how you treat patterns in Chinese medicine versus the condition?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good question. Um, yeah, it's a major difference because we're gonna we're gonna be taking a look at your tongue. And there's things that that's going to tell us diagnostically when we take a look at that. So like if you're, say, for instance, you're coming in, your tongue is really pale, uh, that could mean that we might be seeing some blood deficiency going on, you know, on some level. Maybe you don't see it on your blood lab yet that it may be showing some deficiency there, or it also may be like it's not holding its shape. You see teeth marks on the side, and it's kind of big and puffy, and that's going to tell us certain diagnostic things. Where we're going to go, okay, this person's not moving fluids as well, and or their energetics may be down, so it's not helping to, you know, help their chin move properly. And so that's going to be part of it. Um, we also look at pulses and. We're going to be looking at every different position of of the pulses. There's three different positions on each you know wrist, and we're looking at how the energetic moves in your. We call it like upper, middle, and lower jaws. And so your like your upper jaw would be everything like chest level, lung, heart on up to your head, and middle jaw is more of your digestive organs and your in your center, and then the lower jaw would be reproductive organs and and anything in your back and, and in the abdominal cavity and lower, you know, like even into your legs. And so all those all those areas give us a lot of really distinct information. The pulse qualities can change depending on you know how how much energetics you you have or don't have moving through there. And so that's really informative. And then I also utilize abdominal palpation, which is more a little bit more Japanese style as far as the abdomen's concerned. Uh, where we're looking and finding patterns that are, are creating stagnation there. And that can be really valuable, too, because you can also see if someone's got more blockage going on in the reproductive area that is palpable. And so... That's another thing we'll look at. But then also the we go through a very, very thorough history just trying to find out, you know, like we have 10 questions that we'll go through and asking all these details to try and really get an overall picture of the patient. And that leads us into what patterns might be causing the problems in the first place. And then we can mm. kind of divide the plan and and whether it's, you know, just using acupuncture or we may do if someone's got more cold symptomology, we may be utilizing you know moxibustion therapy, which is a really great heating tool that supplements the area and warms and helps circulation. Um, or we may be doing other stuff to like help reduce stress. There's like cupping, which is wonderful. Have you ever had cupping done?
1: Yes, I have. It's wild. I've actually done it before on on friends, and it's. It's very strange. It leaves some some very cool marks when you're done. (laughs) It can for a little bit, but it's
0: like such a great stress reliever. I mean, I use it a lot for people that you know, tend towards headaches and migraines because they tend to hold so much stress in their upper back and neck Mm -hmm. area and it's just kind of a matter of time before it descends right up into their head. But you know, if we're talking about stress stress factors with people with fertility, it's a nice tool to use as well. So Anyway, I mean, diagnostically, we are going to we're going to look at patterns, and sometimes there's there's a few patterns that are going on together, and so we have to. No two people are going to be exactly alike that you know come in and They they think because they're both dealing with fertility that they could have completely different pattern uh, structures, and so they may be on completely different herbal formulas or treatments may be very very different, even locations of needles, and so mm-hmm. it's it's now, very interesting. Can someone
1: can someone take their own pulse and get an idea of what's going on with themselves? And if so, could you maybe walk our listeners through how to do that?
0: Um, it, the thing with pulse qualities is it's tough because most of the students going through school, it takes a, it's a four-year college. And so mm-hmm. they're going through years and years of practicing pulses to even know how to differentiate one from the other. And so it might be harder to tell a listener you know how to do that, whether they would know like Oh, my pulse is deficient or not, or if it's fuller. <laughs> I would love to be able to walk them through that but um you know like once once um if someone's younger and they have good energetics, we'll say like they haven't had a attacks life they're they're coming from strong you know genetics and everything and and their pulses may have what we call like more of a slippery or a little fuller quality, so it should feel ample, like the blood's moving through there nicely. It feels smooth in its flow. And that's, you know, that's a really good quality to have. And matter of fact, when a lot of gals, you know, when they do achieve pregnancy, since building a baby requires so much blood and energetics, usually that's the pulse quality we'll start seeing throughout pregnancy where their pulse will be termed, you know, slippery because it will be nice and full and vibrant and really, uh, cause you have to have so much more blood production at that time to see mm-hmm. you know see the baby so um yeah, harder, I wish I could say so, I could definitely tell more when looking at their tongue, so, okay, like yeah, there, tell
1: us tell us about that, so you said if there's a film yeah. or if there's like like scalloping on the side of the tongue
0: exactly, yeah matter matter of fact, I um there's some things on online too that you can look at and say like okay, this tongue means this or this tongue means that. Um, I think I actually have some on my Fertile Lifestyle site, like in the photo, so you can kind of get a better idea. But if someone's tongue was had more pallor to it, like kind of pale, didn't really even show very much pink, then that's what I was talking about before. It could be more of a blood deficiency, like heading towards possible anemia. It may not be that far yet, but it would definitely not be a pink tongue. Um, and so that would be one sign. Or there could be internal cold going on. The person, if that was happening they would actually feel bodily cold if they're more Mm. cold side. So they might notice they're always bundling up a lot more. They don't sweat easily. Um, And, you know, if they're clinically low temperatures all the time in, in, you know, in Western medicine, you know, we might even say they're like maybe um, hypothyroid symptomology, you know, showing up. But in our medicine, we might say kidney yongshu, you know, or there's cold Mm. in the uterus. There's a lot of different descriptions we'll will use when it comes to pattern differentiation but, no, I'm just um, okay, my
1: tongue I have, yeah. I have a little bit of like this a little bit of the scalloping on the side I it actually used to be a lot more so it's barely there but I noticed my tongue won't hold still is that does that mean something when I can't just make it still
0: yeah a uh, tremulous tongue can be well we might call it like a wind condition internally but uh if you're, you know, sometimes if the blood's a little deficient, we you might have a little bit more stirring going on. Or you, you know, I think your cheese, pretty good. I saw your little packet of pills you're taking on a regular basis, and I know your little <laughs> really there. Uh, my taste too
1: good.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're doing a lot of stuff right now. I know, trying to get your new your new uh, office space and stuff going. Congratulations, by the way. I saw your thank case. you.
1: Really you're welcome. Yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, regarding yeah. fertility, one thing I, I love about what you do is you you treat women, of course, but you also treat men too. So you know, why are you treating both partners?
0: Um, actually, uh, statistically, you know, your, some urologists will even say that, you know, 40 to 50 percent of infertility is male factor. Um, mm-hmm. So if the you know, I'll always ask you know the female patient coming in if her if her mate or partner has had a sperm analysis done. And if they have and everything came back, you know, with glowing reviews, then I don't worry so much about treating him. But if it's unknown or if they know there's, like, low motility or, you know, like the sperm don't swim very, you know, fast or very well or if there's morphological problems where the shape of the sperm is, is problematic and, you know, like the DNA may be affected... Um, or if they don't have enough sperm, then those are definitely reasons why I'm going to say you need to have your, your partner come in and make sure he's getting treated too because both acupuncture and herbs can be really helpful in that case. And there's a lot of things that, that our medicine will treat that Western medicine might just say you need to do an IVF. You know, we need to make, mm-hmm. we'll just make sure everything's good and, and do it that way instead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always I think it's great to treat both. They're both on the same page and, and really helps their overall health level too. So even if he didn't have issues, it's still going to bring him up to a better healthy place, you know, mm-hmm. for conception.
1: Now if someone decides could to go to the natural route and just do acupuncture, right, they don't want to do IVF or IUI, they just want to work with you only. I mean, how frequently should they typically get acupuncture for fertility? And if they're really consistent with it, what are kind of the typical results? Is it like in a month or does it take a year or two years? I mean, what What's that look like?
0: Okay. now it's a good question because it really does vary um, depending on what condition they're coming in with because I've had some patients come in and they literally just needed a little tweaking. You know, it's like I got them right around their ovulation time, you know, like 30% is, you know, issues with fertility with women. It's anovulation, so they're not maybe ovulating, and I get them right at that time, gets them just perfect, their ovulation happens well, and they get pregnant right away. Um, and this is like someone who's pretty healthy normally, and then they just needed that additional help. And so it could happen just in a couple months. Um, usually we tell most people that give us at least three months of going through the cycles to try and help regulate things because we're um, we're trying to get the cycle length appropriate because some women come in with real short periods or short cycles where, you know, less than 26 days. Others come in with prolonged cycles, which may be, you know, 30 you know, 34, 35, even longer. And so the more we can get them within that, you know, 26 to 32-day range, the better um, it's going to look for them for fertility. So that's that's a big factor there. But if someone comes in, I've I've had patients before that have come in with PCOS or or actually another case, I should say, with uh, endometriosis, fibroids, and cystic conditions. And that's like, you know, kind of, a lot of stuff going on in their system all at the same time and it's not usually going to be a quick outcome with fertility. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of stuff that you have to get through and balance and regulate yeah. before they're going to be in a good place to conceive. So mm-hmm. they're the ones that usually take longer. But if if you don't have those issues and it's just more of like I need a little bit more blood, my energy's a little down, I've got a little bit of stress, my or my ovulation's not happening usually, I'd say, like, within three months, you're more often going to see that happen, especially if they're uh-huh. diligent with being weekly for treatment. Usually, in that case, weekly's good. If they're having really uh-huh. uh, painful periods, I may need to see them more often, especially, like, during their menstrual cycle when they're having the worst time with their pain. Or endometriosis, a lot of times, they're, always having, they're having pain throughout their whole cycle on some level or other, and they usually get pretty zonked um, with their energy levels. So uh-huh. it's requires, a li- you know, a bit more treatment time plus herbal changes, too, just to make sure that you're really addressing everything that needs to be addressed.
1: Right. So and your treatment plans usually, you know, often use Chinese herbal formulas, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So are they as critical
1: in the, in, the, in the treatment plans as the acupuncture, or is there one more important, or do you do both at the same time?
0: Um, usually both at the same time, Um I want to see them, technically in Chinese medicine, diet is the first and foremost thing that usually is looked at. We'll always look at diet and lifestyle first, and when that's not having a, an effect in a positive, then you go to acupuncture and herbal medicine. And so a lot a lot of times you're, we're doing all the above. We're like, okay, how are you eating? Are you really taking in the fuel you need, um, making sure you're getting the right building blocks? Because I'm usually telling with students and other people. It's like, you're, it's like you're not just trying to maintain yourself. You're trying to build a baby, you know. So you need right. building. So I'll definitely talk to them about diet and make sure that they're doing some good positive changes there and, of course, making sure that they can digest things that are coming in. And then regular treatments with acupuncture are weekly. But sometimes I, I will say, like, the herbs are even more important because that is usually helping with the movement, support, energetics, um, but, if they are having pain and need more regulation, the acupuncture is pretty integral too so.
1: and what are some of the the main herbs or the most common herbs you'll use for fertility
0: um depends on, on what's going on because there's there's some herbs like if say for instance, they're having you know more hard time with um, ovulation than some of the what we call like yang tonics or warming herbs would be part of a formula, so maybe um uh would be like the the pinion or couscuta would be the the Latin name, or we might use um, triculingus, which you know is another one that's pretty warm herb. But that also is really helpful when you're, if your ovulation is not happening because you're not getting a good spike. You know, your progesterone's low. You're, you know, run a little bit more on the cooler side, and you need a little bit more heat to help that transition occur. That's kind of what we what's that Latin? Can
1: can you, this, can you spell the last one you said?
0: Triculingus. Okay, this would be in my spelling bee.
1: C-U-R,
0: because I always, I usually have an opinion name, but C-U-R-C-U-L-I-N-G-U-S, I'm pretty sure is the spelling on that one, but it's okay. not one that's a common with, It starts with a D, and, you know, like D as, D
1: as in dog, it starts with a D. Which one? The last one you mentioned, the, what was the first letter?
0: Oh, oh, the C, sorry, C as in Charlie. Oh,
1: C as in Kirk. Oh, got per- it. Per-
0: okay. Yeah, the first one I was talking about, though, was, um, the Cuscuta, which is with a C. That's another one that's nice because it's not too warm, but it's really supportive around ovulation and can kind of, like, help support that whole, you know, that time in the luteal phase or, you know, the time from ovulation to when the next period would happen. So, yeah, Are there that any like,
1: herbs so. that, you, that you use for difficult periods? So there's cramps, there's all kinds of, you know, just difficulty with the periods.
0: Yeah, usually we, we use a lot of combination herbs. So we we never just give like individual. But some of the movers, you know, might be um, Leonurus, um, which is sao. It's a it's a, a nice one. Or Song uh, Songling. It's like trying to say these ones in the uh, or Spargani is the <laughs> other name, but. There's like different ones that are going to move. Their, we call them blood invigorators, and so they're going to help mm-hmm. move the blood more effectively when there's stagnation. We say like whenever there's stagnation, there's going to be pain involved. And so if we're mm-hmm. seeing someone who's been with that, the sooner we can give them herbs that will help move through that, you know, the better the outcome is going to be.
1: Mhm. I'm I'm such a huge fan of Chinese medicine for for menstrual issues i when i was in naturopathic school and i would share like personal health stuff on the on the, on the show I, I don't care but when i was in naturopathic <laughs> school my cycles were like 60 days i was going so long between having periods i was actually a vegetarian at the time which i have learned i've learned better since then it wasn't a good fit for me of course there's not one diet for everyone but it wasn't a good fit for me and um, i was a guinea pig in one of our um, chinese medicine classes 'Cause we actually took Chinese medicine um in naturopathic school and I was a guinea pig for the professor and she did some acupuncture on me and the next day I had my period. It was like boom, it just happened. It was like she opened the floodgates. Sorry, it's graphic. But mm-hmm. it was really amazing what, what it does.
0: Yeah, it can have a it can have a pretty fast marked effect for for people, you know, in a surprising way. And I think depending on you know the the points used and and getting the right diagnosis too, of course is like really important making sure that you're you're fine tuning and you're finding all the asking enough of the right questions to uh find out cuz even when you're doing an herbal formula there's a lot of different things that can go into it to address smaller nuances that you know maybe someone else doesn't have and so we use yeah. a lot of there's so many I mean, you know, from working like if you saw the pharmacies and stuff that you worked in before, there's tons of herbs, you know, and so there's so mm-hmm. many that can be used in different formulas, you know, depending. Like a PCOS patient or someone with like, excuse me, polycystic ovarian syndrome would, you know, have potentially very different herbs, even though it's kind of like maybe considered a stagnation type of problem in the in the reproductive system, than somebody who has endometriosis or fibroids. So it's right it's, you know, very, very different. There's stuff now, to right now.
1: now maybe I probably should have started with the question, but just kind of taking a step back, what, how does this actually work? Like how does acupuncture do this? What 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 is it doing exactly?
0: <laughs> very good question. <laughs> um, there's like you know, there's different theories with it um as far as what it's actually doing, but if you if you liken the uh Every different or, all the organ systems have channel lines that will go from both the internal organ and then out to the exterior of the body. And they're going along you know the surface areas of both the arms and legs, across the torso, across the back, even on the head and face. And the idea is that these different areas running along the surface have points that can be tapped into that have different actions or different reactions when they're needled. And if you think about it, it's like they're running along right next to like the nervous system and your central nervous system, of course, is going to have a tub and reaction right to your brain. And so by stimulating these points, you're still sending signals through your body and trying to have an, you know, having an effect on these different organ systems depending on what you're trying to do. It's like you used the the reference before of someone who might come in and say, oh, yeah, I, I was told I have spleen chi deficiency. Uh, then, you know, we may be doing points along the spleen channel. There's, you know, specific points that we might go to that would help to give more qi to the person. And we might use the moxa that I talked about before with like a little heating modality that would also be warming points and helping to stimulate and give support to the spleen. So, and then there may be other other channels that we would use in conjunction with it would support that, um, that treatment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I have a random really... question
1: for you. <laughs> okay. This, this is for me, actually. So when I was in, in, in medical school, I used to have a belly button ring, and I was getting acupuncture, and my it was actually an acupuncture student, and she told me that I should take the belly button ring out because she said it was blocking my chi. What are your thoughts with that?
0: Uh, that's, that's kind of that's actually funny because we were just having that conversation a couple weeks ago in clinic. <laughs> um, uh some people would say it would be a block in the energetics because in, especially even depending, we might even say depending on the metal that you use because like gold can be very tonifying. You know, silver could be a little more sedating or cooling. But, you yeah. know, the, <clears throat> if there's like scar tissue there, I mean, you can also think of it as there is a potential block in the normal flow. And most belly button rings, we would say, are, is right along the um, a channel line we call the conception vessel. And so it might be interfering with the the energetic movement that would go into the reproductive system. And then you hmm. like back around. This channel actually has another link with another channel on the backside of the spine, but it's always constantly in circulation around your center, from like going down the midline of your abdomen into the reproductive system, and then right at the back along the spine up to the brain. So it's like you want to have that flow moving smoothly and, and linked well. It's like even when they do meditation, they talk about you, you know, putting your tongue to the roof of your mouth and doing the nice breathing and kind of having your hands, in, you know, intertwined and linked, is that you're helping that that link and flow throughout the, um, throughout that system, that, that uh, front and back, that we say conception vessel and, conception vessel and governing vessel, so it's, it's kind of interesting thinking of a block anywhere. I mean, I talk about scar tissue especially can uh, get in the way of smooth movement of, of energetic, such in blood. So if someone's got a lot of scar tissue adhesions where it's not been worked on or softened, like if it's mm-hmm. keloid or still or numb, then those are also things that I would want to work on. And so, I mean, you could potentially look at a ring, you know, a belly button ring is maybe a block in that way too.
1: Yeah, it makes sense so, yeah, to me. I mean, I, once I took it out, <laughs> things improved once I took it out. I mean, other things have changed in my <laughs> lifestyle too, but maybe it wasn't just a coincidence.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> So for you guys who have just tuned in, we're talking to Shelly Cron. She's a fertility expert. She's from fertilelifestyle.com. You can check her out there. We're going to open up to the phone lines. The number is 818-495-6919, 818-495-6919. If you'd like to call and ask a question, you just go and press 1 once you hear the prompt. So I will take it over here to the Facebook questions. This is from an, an anonymous Facebooker. And she would like to know, how can we reduce repeated miscarriages with Chinese medicine?
0: Um, yeah, re- repeated miscarriage, we'll call it like habitual miscarriage, with they've had more than three. Uh, normally, we want to do treatments when they're, you know, like have them not try to get pregnant for at least like six months, and that's probably the hardest part. But when you've had like several miscarriages, your body needs to get built back up again. Um, so that it's strong enough to hold, and so normally we're going to look, there's like different causative factors that can bring up uh, habitual miscarriage, there's like a lot of times there's deficiency factors that just need to get tonified, Um, sometimes there's people that have like more stagnation factors, they may have gotten pregnant, but they might have a fibroid, or they might have had really difficult or painful periods before, and so depending on what that problem is, it needs to get regulated, if it's, stagnation, it needs to get supplemented if it's deficiency, and then have them try again after they've given it enough time. So that can really be effective for uh, not having another repeated miscarriage. It's just really making sure that gets balanced out and the person feels you know very strong and, and uh, has more energy and stuff before you know embarking on it again.
1: Mm-hmm. And then a uh, the follow-up question from the same person. How can we increase success rates IVF transfer?
0: Well, getting getting acupuncture is something that can be really helpful um, for the IVF. With the transfer, there's a lot of acupuncturists that can actually go in the office uh, for the fertility specialist and do a pre- and post-transfer acupuncture treatment. And that's what I would recommend more than anything else. I mean, getting acupuncture before you go and do that can also really help make sure that you're getting good circulation to the reproductive system because you want to make sure that's happening. You want to know that circulation's going there and not everywhere else. You know, it's going to the correct place. Your stress level is lower. And if you're doing it the day of the transfer, usually you're pretty stressed on that day. And it's always nice to have someone go in there after you've done your driving to the location and have them right there on the spot do something that's going to really help lessen stress, uh, calm you, get the blood to the area it needs to, and that's what they'll do before. And then usually afterwards, they'll do another treatment that helps lessen uh, cramping and spasming. Uh-huh. Cause usually, transfer, they're doing a little cannula in there, and it can it's it's something that You know, normally shouldn't be going into your body. And so it's like a lot of times your uterus wants to kind of spasm a little bit, which could be um, not so helpful for implantation. So, lessening that, still calming the person, being able to have them lay there for just a little bit afterwards, I think is really where the stats for, you know, 20 to 30 percent more success rate with um, IVFs using acupuncture came in, is really being there on the spot. I think that helps more than trying to get acupuncture and then running into the office, you know, to the fertility place to get the IVF. So Mm -hmm. if you are in a place where your doctor, your fertility specialist will allow the acupuncturist in, that's great. You know, there are some in San Mm -hmm. Diego that are, you know, great about that.
1: Any that you could recommend for local listeners?
0: Actually, uh, Dr. Hummel and Kettle from San Diego Fertility, I love them. They're the nicest uh, nicest guys, really good bedside manner, make you feel warm and cozy, and <laughs> which is really what you need because it's such a stressful right. situation to be in. Uh, they're really good. Dr. Garza's got also very good uh, results. He's he's usually very highly recommended. Um, those are a few that I would I'd probably recommend, you know, first. But um, also, I know there's I'm still getting to know like UCSD. I just started there recently and. I know there's some really good doctors there, too. I just am still working on uh, getting to know some of them, so I want to be able to refer yeah. to them, too, but these guys I know and um, really love their yeah. their their work. They've got really good results, mm-hmm. too.
1: Awesome. Last follow-up question from this um, Facebooker. She wants to know, how do I maintain a successful pregnancy with Chinese medicine?
0: Okay, well, starting, bef- um, starting changing your diet sooner um and really you know following the herbal herbal protocol and i'd also you know is going to help the pregnancy you know get achieved in the first place i would say also even in the first trimester getting some acupuncture just to maintain is really important mm-hmm. keeping your stress levels down um i've had patients in the past that just had so much stress they didn't have like a very good um they didn't have family close by so they didn't feel very supported and a lot of times the treatments were just totally nurturing and stress reduction uh, to keep them going and then plus still give them energy and kind of uplift the energetics to hold. And so yeah. that's makes so if up. I get them past the first trimester and then usually I'll say come back around week 35 and we'll get you ready for our delivery. <laughs> so <you> know, I've <laughs> just had a few who just like really felt like they needed to keep coming in because it gave them a sense of peace and stability throughout the pregnancy. And, I mean, you can get treated throughout the pregnancy. um, There's no problem. It's actually very supportive. And there's a lot of conditions that come up between nausea and, uh, you know, heartburn and headaches and sciatic. And there's a number of different things that can happen with pregnancy that acupuncture is really helpful for.
1: Mm. I'd love to hear about what, you know, like your experience of giving acupuncture while someone's giving birth. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like,
0: I can't say that acupuncture completely takes away, you know, the, right. Let's be real. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it can make it easier and it can lessen it. And uh, I think it makes it all, even like the labor process a little bit easier, but I would also say people that have had acupuncture going up to their pregnancy or name of the delivery time, I think haven't, I shouldn't say this in every every circumstance because sometimes it depends on the position of the baby. But a lot of times they'll have an easier time if they've had regular acupuncture. kind of like helped get things ready to move through. Um, so it's there's a better chance plus your stress levels down and things may have gotten in better positioning. But there's always a chance that you know with doing the acupuncture through that if they're if they've got like a the baby is turned, you know, in a little different position, sometimes that makes it a little harder going through the birth canal. So it's like you can't always stop all the you know, all the pain from it. But usually, uh, sometimes you can do E-STEM, you know, where you'll have like some needles. This may sound funny to the patients have never had acupuncture before, but, you know, you have the needles in there. And believe me, when you're pregnant and you're about to have a baby, this is like the least of your concerns. <laughs> a few but that was some E-STEM and you let them control it. And so they can kind of, like, bring up the intensity a little bit if they're feeling too much discomfort. And and then it puts some of the control back in their hands. It can make it a little bit more tolerable going through the labor process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's, so a, cool. it's interesting to be there for now, that kind of thing. Yeah. Are
1: there some cost pills that allow acupuncture during labor?
0: Um, actually, yes. Um, it depends. Uh, I know UCSD has let other people come in. The hospital's kind of still going through some changes and stuff as far as like having acupuncturists come into the hospital setting. And that's kind of what I'm trying to move towards. I really, my goal is to be in the antepartum department and, and also in the labor delivery. And so mm-hmm. they're moving in that direction, but uh, not that many hospitals that, that I know of. I actually can't think of any other hospitals that are, are usually having people in on a regular basis. But I went to, it was at Tricare up in, in Vista. They let me come in um, UCSD a long time ago. I mean, the midwives are great at UCSD. I really like like it there. They're very supportive even to people that are outsiders. You know, it's like, you know, obviously they're great to the patient. But it's, it's interesting, you know, when you are in those settings, just seeing how everyone goes about the, the process and <laughs> making everyone comfortable and welcome.
1: Yeah. That's very cool. I'm going to take another Facebook question. This is from Katie. And Katie would like to know what would be a good effective treatment using Chinese medicine for amenorrhea due to being on the birth control pill?
0: Okay. That's a good question, Katie. Um, If you've been on the birth control pill for a while, um, that can definitely change the hormones quite a bit, where it's harder to get your period back. Uh, We just had a patient with the same kind of symptomology today, and it would be nice to know what the rest of your blood work looks like, um, and also just like going through like a regular case, you know, uh, history and stuff to know what else has gone on before that. But a lot of times I get through is signs of low red blood cells. I and mean, you're actually showing signs of anemia and we're looking at blood deficiency in our medicine too. Then building that back up again, getting your, we'd say, qi, which is what we look at as energy in Chinese medicine, getting that qi and blood built back up so that your your the bleeding can get regulated. Again, your hormones can get regulated and have your period. But it really would depend on what other factors might be going on besides the birth control pills. If it was just that or if there's other factors that mm-hmm. might have like if you already had deficiencies going on prior to because uh, some some people will have done like a lot of exercising and stuff and they have already kind of dropped their their estrogen levels down or have like very mm-hmm. low fat which can lessen the chances of having a regular cycle and then you take away something that was regulating you in the first place with hormones uh, then it may kind of revert back to that amenorrheic state so you know, maybe just really trying to get you built up, and maybe even gaining weight again. If you were, if you were low weight, then, mm-hmm. then again, knowing all your circumstances, it would be harder to answer that completely. But that's what I'd be looking right. at is probably this thing.
1: Yeah, this birth control pills, man, they are just so funky, and there's so many women mm-hmm. on them, and I, I swear it's like probably. 70% of my patients at some point have been on them for an extended period of time. It's crazy. It's like Pez candy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I, I, I kind of get, you know, that, that it's like they don't have to, you know, think about it maybe so much or worry, but at the same time it definitely can cause a lot of abnormalities when you try and get off of it. So, And, and yeah. it can make it more difficult. Some people say, oh, I got off of it and I got mm-hmm. pregnant right away. You know, that can happen too. But if you've been on it for a long period of time with no breaks, I would say I see a lot more having issues afterwards than than the other.
1: Mm-hmm. For you guys who just tuned in, we are chatting with, Kel- uh, sorry, Shelly Kron. I was going to say Kelly Schron. This is <laughs> Shelly Kron, um, acupuncturist and fertility expert. We are talking about Chinese medicine for infertility. If you guys have any questions, give us a call, 818-495-6919. It's my last call for callers, 818-495-6919. You can get your questions answered. So Shelly, herbs to avoid if you're trying to get pregnant, are there any particular herbs that people shouldn't be doing that you can name for? Us?
0: Okay. Are you talking about like American Indian herbs or ones like if someone might come in and, <laughs> and get changed? Because
1: like, it, it's like like maybe uh, herbs are that are generally used for wellness, you know, like popular herbs, but maybe not so good for fertility. Like if there's something, I don't know, like licorice, for example, if that's going to maybe stimulate too much. or You know what I'm saying? Are there any kind of herbs that are used in Chinese medicine that are maybe stimulating but not so good for pregnancy?
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say that, I mean, which I was talking about, the blood invigorating category, you know, so anything that's going to get blood or move it. So if you saw, you know... Um, Arminica, you know, Armin you know, it's like a well the pinion name is Talren. If you saw something that was or Carthamous Carthamy in a formula or something that was a known blood mover, even chamomile is known to be in a which can actually get your period going. So I'm usually telling people just to like really be careful. I always have them come in with, you know, whatever herbs they're taking just to make sure there's nothing that's gonna be harmful but if they had even a cold condition, like if they were someone who always runs cold and they're taking herbs that actually create more cold internally, like they're taking aloe vera on a regular basis or um, have, a, you know, some sometimes people are on, uh, you know, purgative stuff. They're taking senna and, and uh, rhubarb and castera sagrada on a regular basis. And that can also really cause problems with the digestive system when it's taken over a long period of time and can tend to be cold. So mm-hmm. you're adding to a cold condition that would also not be good. And even though I, I tell patients, like sometimes I'm talking about the cold, but there's there's some people that run hot, and that also can be problematic with um, with fertility. And so if they're always running warm and they're going out and having Thai food and eating lots of hot, spicy stuff and sitting in their hot yogas, which they always hate when I talk about their hot yoga because I know some people are totally addicted to hot yoga, but it can be bad Mm -hmm. if you're already sweating a lot, you already run hot, and then you're doing things that are adding to that. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like helping yourself and making sure that you're not adding to a problem. You know, if you're trying to Right, what works for
1: you may not work for everyone, so it's very individualized. Exactly. Awesome. Now you've been practicing for over twenty years. I think you said twenty-five years. Is that right? Actually, over twenty-five years of 20 experience. In
0: August. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Wow. That's amazing. So I know up. you've racked up some pretty cool case studies. So any any that you'd like to share with us? Um, yeah, actually, of
0: of a couple that are kind of interesting that I'll try and stick with a uh, with one of them. There, uh, I've had like case where. Well, this is actually one of the ones that stimulated my interest in the very beginning was the, um, the wife was coming in with what she was diagnosed with what's called premature ovarian failure. And she was in her, uh, she was in her very early, early forties, like about 41, 42, which usually is kind of early for that kind of a diagnosis that your ovaries are already feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And then, So she was dealing with that. She was very stressed and really wanted to have a baby. And so she, you know, biological clock was moving very strongly. And then it turned out her husband had, he'd been married before, had a vasectomy and then had the vasectomy reversed when he remarried her. And he had what was called a glutenizing sperm. So that's where like you have uh, sperm antibodies are kind of like your body's attacking the sperm because it's seeing it as foreign invaders now but you had the reverse vasectomy. And so mm-hmm. Western medicine is normally going to, like, say, okay, well, you'll need to do an IUI. We'll do a sperm wash. We'll kind of clean off those agglutinizing factors and do it that way. But with Chinese medicine, there's actually really good herbal formulas. And he was on the go quite a bit, so it's hard getting him in for regular acupuncture. But he was good about taking the herbs. And so worked on him, and his wife was getting treatment as well for trying to get her ovaries working again, making sure stress levels down, really building up her system. And they were able to achieve uh, pregnancy or conceive naturally, which was great because, wow. you know, based on, you know, premature variant failure and the glutenizing sperm, that would definitely be something that they'd be looking at an IVF or IUI at the least. So that was like a really great case. Um, I must and that's been so exciting there. for you. It was. I mean, it's, it's it's very exciting when you actually see something like that, you know, happen and, and change up. Um, and especially when both partners are involved in, uh, in the equation. I've had another uh, male come in before and his wife also had a lot of digestive stuff and allergies and she's really sensitive. She got sick very easily. So you know, where well, the immune system is down and your digestive system suffering, just like when you were saying with people with accidental pregnancies, how important it is that those systems are working well. And so she was dealing with that, and her husband, she wasn't sure about what his what was going on with him. So we sent him for a sperm analysis, and I thought the readout was wrong because it came back saying he had no sperm. There was like no sperm in the analysis. And so I'm like, well, that's not right. And so we actually sent him again <laughs> to make sure, you know, that that was the case. And so, yeah, he actually had a diagnosis of no sperm present. And so wow. it turned out he was, he, he was taking testosterone because he felt mm. so tired. And so he was doing, I think, a little bit too much testosterone. So his whole feedback loop stopped, you know, so his, his testicles weren't producing, you know, new sperm. And so... Um, we had to have him stop the testosterone. He had to get on um, a lot of herbal, you know, formulas that were very tonifying. So, of course, there's a ginseng in there and um, other tonifying herbs that were, you know, astragalus and stuff that were really going to boost his chi up enough so he he didn't feel tired for one thing, but also other herbs that were going to help supplement and get his his, you know, reproductive system back on track. And so they mm-hmm. also did end up getting pregnant, too, naturally without having to go the other route. So it just it took a little bit of time because we really had to get his system back up. Um, back wow. Up
1: That's impressive, yeah, so going from shooting blanks to getting a baby out of it. It's pretty, pretty come good yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, it's it's I mean, so it does, cool.
0: You need to have, like, the sperm analysis for the male, I and mean, it really does make a difference because they may think that just because, you know, if there's an ejaculate that there's you know, sperm there, and just to find out that either it's not there or that it just has circumstances that are not going to make it, you know, optimum for conception. Then you can work on it. I mean, it's totally things that you can do with your diet and with your, you know, even with exercise and with herbal and acupuncture treatments that make a real dynamic difference.
1: Yeah, so all you men listening out there, if you're trying to get <laughs> pregnant with your lady, you got to get the sperm tested. I know it's a, kind of a hit to the ego. You don't want to know sometimes, but you just got to do your part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: I would say one wow. more thing, too, just with the yeah, gals out there. With, with basal body temperature charting can really be helpful um, when you're trying to see if you're ovulating or not because I'm not always a... He- the ovulation predictor kits are out there, and some of them are good, um, some of them not as good. But I think the the problem is is sometimes you do that for several days and you never get, like, a really good solid line, so you're not sure if you ovulated or not. And that's why I really like basal body temperature charting. It's where you're actually doing a, a morning temperature measurement when you first wake up in the morning and charting it, and it gives a really good idea of, where things are, you know, like when you actually do ovulate, if you are ovulating, and then what happens after ovulation or your temperature staying up like they need to. And it will give, you know, like if you're, you know, out of state and other places and stuff and you're seeing an acupuncturist or want to go see one, that's going to give them good information as far as like, okay, you're not getting a good ovulation. I really need to work on you there. Or, oh, you're having a really long follicular phase, you know, like that time between, your menstrual cycle and you ovulate, so they would really want to work on your your building up your blood a lot more to make sure that you're getting the building blocks to feed your your follicles and make sure your endometrium is enriched and and a good place for implantation. So that does give some really good information to help you know help your practitioner help you. So mm-hmm. that's my plug on DDTs. And if you go online, there's a take charge of your fertility. Uh, otherwise. Tcoyf.com, and they have charts and stuff on their site. And then also FertilityFriends.com is another one that um, has some good charts. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, just go there and look up basal body temperature charts, and they'll you'll know, kind of see the lay you know how it looks. And just a digital so thermometer. You, oh, the sorry, digital thermometer. Is
1: there a particular kind that you that you think is best for that?
0: Well, they, you know, there's I think there's better better ones coming out all the time. I would just say if, when you go to CVS or whatever pharmacy that you go to, look and see which ones give you the the most bragging about um, accuracy because you want one that's at least within point two degrees of accuracy. Uh, for a good reading. And then make sure your batteries change. Make sure it's a nice fresh battery in there so you're getting a good reading. Mm -hmm. And then be really consistent time-wise that you're doing it every morning at the same time. If you wake up at 6 o'clock with your alarm, set it for 555 and chart that every day. Try not to miss. And if you can do it at least for a couple months, you're going to have a really good gauge of what's happening in your cycle. Hmm. Okay.
1: So, interesting. Or at least talked so <laughs> if we had yeah. to give our, our listeners some nuggets to walk away with, what would be like three to five things that they can do to really boost their fertility? Okay,
0: um, that's good. Especially uh, with the females, I'd say if you're if you're thinking about starting a family, you know, soon, that don't wait until you find out you're pregnant to start prenatals. You know, start on, get a good prenatal. I usually tell people I like the encapsulated ones because like chances of absorption are going to be much better. Get a good prenatal, or at least make sure you've got a good amount of folic acid in there because our main concern is neural tube defect. Um, do that. Change your diet up now. So lifestyle-wise, make sure that you are getting in good food. You know, fuel the tank. Make sure it's good quality food, organic as much as possible. Um, drink enough fluids. You know, make sure you're getting in good water. Um on a daily basis, I say like don't wait till you're thirsty to drink water don't wait till you're hungry to eat food keep your do smaller amounts throughout the day, and I think that keeps your blood sugar more stabilized and kind of makes you feel better. so those things get exercise, but don't over exercise you know make sure you 're getting to the movement good for circulation, but too much is just going to attack your system and you're trying to build um, Get enough sleep sleep is vital. You know, you want to, some people need more than others, but make sure you're getting, you know, what you need to feel rested for the next day. And uh, try and do something for your stress. If you need, like, laughter therapy, it's wonderful. I love laughing. It's great. Um, Spend time with friends. Do things that help you wind down. If you need to create a space in your home that makes you feel like it's your little oasis, do so, you know, have nice music essential oils like with lavender or bergamot or things that smell good to you, you know, have have them around so you have some little refuge for uh, for peace in your life. So those would probably be my top five <laughs> right there. Amen.
1: Sounds good to me. Yeah. I love it, Shelly. And also, sure. you guys, um, a good prenatal that I like, I, I love the pure encapsulations one. It's the prenatal nutrients, pure encapsulations. I think they make a pretty good one. Was there one that you like, Shelly? Mm.
0: I use them too. I, I like I like theirs, and Thorn has a pretty good one too. But I I definitely have been using uh, pure encapsulations because I do like that they're all anything that's got less you know less chance of fillers and and uh, good mm-hmm. breakdown and good a good form you know formula itself. So yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah. So I think you can still cool. get Thorn to help it stores the health too, right? Or is it more just like your I don't know if you years?
1: can. I think they're I think they're kind of strict about it. I know you can get peer encapsulations for sure without being a doc. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, well, it's I can't believe this hour just flew by. Do you have any uh parting words for our listeners before we let you go?
0: Um That's actually a good question. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Is anything to say Um I I would say just try to relax. You know, it's like it's such, it can be a very stressful process. Try and make it fun. I think the more um, the stress goes into it, the less fun there is in having it. I know it's hard, it's easy for me to say that if you've been doing it for years, but try and just find some peace because I think the stress just kind of interferes. And if you find yourself getting tense and uptight, try and you know, shake it off, go breathe, go walk outside, get some air, just try and relax or call a good friend for some laughter. But um, keep some peace in your life. I think that's probably the best thing is our stress levels are just way too high these days. We need to do things to take it down a notch.
1: Couldn't agree more. Priceless advice. Shelly, thank thank you you so so much much for, yeah, thanks for being my guest on the show. It's so great to have you, and I'm looking forward to chatting more about future projects.
0: Yes, yes, I love that. That was very fun. I appreciated
1: your time, too. That was great. Of course. Enjoy your night. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, you guys, that's the show. Definitely check Shelly out at FertileLifestyle.com. You can check her out on Facebook at at Facebook.com slash Fertile Lifestyle. And if you guys missed the announcement, in the beginning of the show, I have very exciting news. I am starting my own clinic, Shine Natural Medicine. I'm no longer a part of Bloom. I am starting Shine Natural Medicine and will be opening August 12th which is in two and a half weeks. So if you're a current patient of mine, a former patient, or if you're going to be a future patient of mine, here's where you will find details about me. That's on drlaurennoel.com. So we'll have updates about the clinic and location once that's announced. And we are currently accepting patients to be uh, scheduled starting August 12th. So if you would like to uh, be scheduled for that, go to the website drlaurennoel.com, V-R-L-A-U-R-E-N, N-O-E-L.com, and we will get you your spot reserved. Have a wonderful night, you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Take
0: care. Bye. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy. Today only, all hats, gloves, and scarves are 50% off. Plus, get 40% off your entire purchase today at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Hats, gloves, and scarves valid 1120. 40% valid 1115 to 1120. Exclusions
1: apply. See store for details. <laughs>